Now is your time to flinch. What up, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the 13th Floor, brought to you by Fledgeology, where, of course, the mantra is leap, grow, fly. And always on the 13th floor, you know, the furniture isn't always the best, but the view is amazing. We got another special edition podcast today. Of course, we've been introducing the Fledgeology team. And today we're going to introduce T.I. T.I., what's good, man? <laughs> what's going on, man? Just for everybody to know, that ain't the name. Uh, that's just the, that's the title. Right? <laughs> I'm working my way up. <laughs> hey, so if you're wondering why you don't hear that, you know, Southern Atlanta draw, or, you know, that Bankhead reference, we are not talking about T.I.P. Clifford Harris. We are talking about Jeremiah Dace, also known as Jay. So, Tip, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the show. We could talk some motivation. But today we're talking about the intern or T.D.I. I'll let y'all figure out what the D stands for when things don't go so great. We are talking about the intern, Jay Dace. What's going on, bro? Uh, you know, just living a dream, man. Another beautiful day in paradise. Another beautiful day in paradise. So Jay is also an aspiring motivational speaker. And we'll get into a little bit of that today as we get all up in his business. You know, I'll be trying to get get to know everything about Jay. So we're gonna be asking him a lot of questions. So you're gonna be an open book today, man, all right? Hey, let's do it, man. So talk to me a little bit about where you're from, man, and what your family was like in Wisconsin. All right, um, so I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And like my family, family life, man, it was, it was great. Honestly, growing up, I had five older sisters, one younger brother, so it's a big family. Um, it was just like, <laughs> it, it was a huge family in my eyes. Man, I couldn't and, imagine uh, having that many people in the house because, you know, it's it was just me and my brother in my house and my two sisters were with my dad. But having that many people in the house and that many, you know, different attitudes and characteristics, like, yeah, it's I couldn't imagine. Attitudes is the best word you can use, man. Because I had five, <laughs> five sisters. sisters. Exactly. Five older sisters, man. So it was like, and and I'm telling. I don't know if you know this about women, but if you get into an argument with one, all of them just like they just. Oh man, so man, I spend a lot of time with my lady and her friends, and that is the last thing that I'm ever trying to do <laughs> is to have any kind of discussion because then it's like you versus them. And it's only one me. So if I ain't got no backup, yeah, man, exactly. I'm, I'm going to lose. So I just, you know, I, I, I let them have it. You know, I concede all loss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But growing up, but one of the benefits was growing up uh, with that many siblings and then women in general, uh, patience. You know, it definitely, I developed a lot of patience going off of that, man. And uh, a sensitive side as well. Because uh, you got to be sensitive to to them. Because oh, if you're not, if you're not, <laughs> right. So, so you missed the Ralph Tresvant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so question, man. You say you grew up with a lot of sisters. So you were the younger brother, right? Yeah, out of the five sisters. Yeah. Did they ever like put makeup on you and all that crazy stuff? <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I mean, um, my dad didn't come into my life till I was maybe around eight or nine I think and uh so I did do a lot of feminine things because I was raised by women you know? right so I would I would try on the dress shoes and my mom heels you know what I mean like I just did all that because I was so close to her I wanted to be under her all the time and right. she wasn't always there because you know my dad was there so she was at work all the time so whenever she was there I just wanted to be under her so I was doing a lot of uh, feminine things as a, as an adolescent, I guess, um, but I definitely grew out of that and realized that okay, this, there's certain things that guys do and certain things that girls do. Right, man. <laughs> right. I'm glad to see that happen, man. So you say your dad came into your life 
at a later time what was that relationship like um i mean at first it was uh first it was great you know it was it was a lot of fun i didn't I, he wasn't always there so when he got there it, all i knew was that hey my dad's here so this was amazing for me and I remember he used to we used to joke around and have a lot of fun together he would uh sit me on his leg and uh act like it was a motorcycle mm-hmm. <laughs> and my son I, loves I was that just, <laughs> 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 it was so much fun man. i thought that, i thought he was the greatest man ever um but we kind of we kind of like grew distant as i grew up because i think a big part of that was like my mom she was the the lover and affection giver and my dad was a disciplinary so normally when you have one uh one parent giving you all this love and affection and letting you know hey it's okay i know you messed up but it's okay and you got this one guy coming down on you like you know with the wrath of god <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, you, know I, you know you're just gonna go to that other person um more often and cling to the other person more often than the other person than the other parent that's coming down on you do you think that the way that he treated you from that disciplinary aspect that it, it had a, a good effect or a bad effect Oh, it had a phenomenal effect now. Right. In hindsight, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I couldn't necessarily see it when uh, when it was happening because I was just like, I don't understand why you're doing this to me. Right. I understand. He, he didn't like beat me, mm-hmm. but whoopings. Like he just, I was just like, man. All right, I know, I, I, you know, I got into a fight, but I ain't. I ain't, you know, kill nobody. You ain't got to whoop me. <laughs> so I would just try to make up excuses as to why. I didn't feel the punishment I was getting was uh, deserving, um, but it definitely it definitely benefited me a lot, and I just I grown into the man that I am, and the, the lessons that he taught me, then I'm applying it to my life now, and it's, 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 it's so it's been great. I appreciate I definitely appreciate it, and we're actually getting a lot closer than what we were in my youth. <laughs> it's crazy how that happens, man. I have a similar relationship with my father, and throughout high school, you know, it wasn't always the best i mean he, he wasn't a, he wasn't he was there it just wasn't as strong a relationship as it is now i think as we mature and start to see things as men we understand exactly. a lot more of those lessons like you said man so shout out to to pops you know what i'm saying for turning <laughs> jay into the man he is today what would you say is one of the most profound lessons that he taught you ah man that's a good question um, I, was, I, would, I mean, something that, that he always taught me was uh, find something that you would do for free and learn a way to make money at it. Um, and I was, and whenever he told me that, I was like, okay, yeah, Pop, I got you. you know, I just find something you do free, and then maybe, all right, cool. But I think that that planted a seed to chase my passion. Like I didn't realize it kind of came into like full circle. And like when I became an adult and I realized, okay, that's what he meant. Don't necessarily find something, just anything that you would do for free, but find something that you love to do. Find something that you truly believe is inside of you and then learn a way to make money at it. And you'll always be happy. Like you won't necessarily feel like you're working. You should be having fun with life. So chase the passion and chase the dream. And basically the money will come with it. Nice. That's a, a very, very good message there. If you didn't catch it, dropping nuggets all the time on the 13th floor. <laughs> hey, man. So we're going to jump into uh, high school, man. What was that like? High school, man. Freshman year. Freshman year, honestly, at first, freshman year seemed like it was going to suck. You know what I mean? But it was pretty cool, man. I, I got I got known 
I was never like the popular dude, but I was known by everybody, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, so freshman year was cool. Honestly, honestly, all the way up to from freshman to sophomore year, from freshman to, to senior year, man, it was it was cool. It was a nice little ride. I started uh, tennis in my junior year of, of high school, and um, I joined the team. And I think I went to a conference, and I came third place in tennis doubles uh, with my partner. And so that was that was cool, man. I love tennis with a passion. I tried football, I tried wrestling, and while I was good, tennis just stole my heart, man. So, um, and it's such a methodical sport, man. You can't right. just, you know, what I mean, you can't just play tennis and think that you just gonna be good. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta practice, and it's a lot that goes into it. So. I think that's what caught my eye about it. Yeah, man, that's pretty amazing. That's not like a traditional sport for a young black man. So, I congrats yeah. to you, man, on taking on that challenge. So, <laughs> do you still play today? Yeah, yeah. I mean, whenever I get the chance, I mean, I'm with uh, work, school, and you know, other things calling my attention. And you don't really find too many tennis players. Um, it's a hard sport, no, man. Like I tried it a few times, and I mean, I call myself an athlete because I can play sports, but I cannot yeah. hit that ball without it going straight up into the air. Like I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it's all about the grip, how you hit it. You know, you got a full swing. You got to go all the way through. Uh, you can't take your eye off the ball. That was a key thing that I took from it and applied to my life. Um, you know, the serve. It's it's so many different aspects of it, man. But it's 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 a cool sport to play. Once you, especially once you get good at it, it's a fun sport to play. Cool, and man. you got to be in shape. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not, you know, you go find out real quick whether or not you're in shape. <laughs> right. So is that what you were mostly involved with in uh in high school, just the tennis, or did you do other activities outside of that? Oh, I was on the uh, step team because I'm a dancer. I love to dance. Um, oh, we got three dancers on the Fletchology team. <laughs> How long yeah, to the man. battle, fellas? Fresh, he calling you out. Scoob, hey, Art, no, I'm not, he calling you out. I'm not saying, uh, I'm not saying that I'm not calling them out, but they don't want to see me. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna leave it right there. You know I mean? I'm gonna put it on the table, walk away. You know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was on the step team, and that was a lot of fun. Um, that was just something new to try. And uh, at first, I didn't know. I mean, honestly, when I got on the step team, I excelled. Like. I became a captain within months, you know, just because I'm the rhythm and the the synchronization of the of the music and the stepping. It was just so that was something that I I really did really good at, and I had a lot of fun with. Cool, man. So what was um what was your favorite? You say you dance step. Do you have a favorite dance type or dance genre as well? Ah, uh, hip hop. Hip hop. No, definitely, definitely, man. Hip hop. I mean, I, I'm a. I like to. Uh, I tried to get into break dancing, and mm. I'm decent. I ain't. I ain't, I ain't doing no flares or spinning no on my boy. head. You know what I mean? <laughs> I ain't breaking no arms, but I can. Uh, like pop lock. You know what I mean? And hip hop dance. That's that's where it's at for me. I, and I I venture out. You know, I can I can salsa. You know what I mean? I can do a little. Tango, you know, nothing crazy, nothing too crazy. But That's the fun stuff right there, man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so what was uh, life after high school like when you graduated? What'd you get into? Ah, oh, man, this is when it get, uh, this is when it get real. <laughs> 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 it get real, real right here. But I, um, just being transparent, man, I, I went from, well, as soon as I graduated high school, I went to the military and I went to basic training and I realized I didn't I didn't finish basic training. I realized that yo, what in the world was I thinking? I went to, to the military for all the wrong reasons. I just saw a paycheck. 
I saw an opportunity to get out of Milwaukee and I was like, I'm going after it, but my heart wasn't in it, man. I was, I got there and I was like, I'm about to freaking lose my mind here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I talked to, you know, talk to him and I was like, Hey, I can't do this. Um, and it, it, I mean, it, it haunted me for a while to be honest. Cause I was like, man, I feel like a failure. I felt like I quit. I felt like I gave up. I was like, man, if I could just get the chance to go back, I know I could do it over again. But you know, that, that didn't, that opportunity never presented itself again. And I mean, I'm grateful um, because I don't think that the military is where I was supposed to be. It was more so the opportunity to prove myself that I was looking for. And I think that I'm doing that now. So um, not, the opportunity came back again, but just not in the same, um, same way. Okay. So you did the military thing and you know, you didn't like that. It wasn't for you. So what was next? After that, I uh, came back to Milwaukee and I mean, honestly, I tried so many different things just trying to, because all I knew is I wanted to be successful. So I tried to be, uh, it's this company called Cutco. And uh, I tried to sell, <laughs> basically, I just sold, tried to sell knives. Right. I did, I did pretty good. I did pretty good. I think I was the top one in my team. And then I moved to, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me, let me, let me backtrack a little bit. I met this girl and she was getting into the military and um because i was going to try to join the air force after that this i was still trying to pursue that dream of you know getting the opportunity back and you know overcoming that fear of not being trade not finishing basic so um i met her and fell in love head over heels i just knew this was the one i knew this was it so we got married ah. i'm i'm 19. wow i couldn't imagine yeah. being married at 19 years old <laughs> so I just knew, man, this is it. We go, we go make it happen. Uh, she she moved down to Virginia, which is where I am now. And um, you know, I followed her down there after we got married. I went down there with her, and I mean, from there, man, it was just like I said, one thing after another. I was just trying to be successful. Every job I got, I worked on base at the shop. At I worked at the the BX on base. I. Uh, I became a merchandiser, but every job I got, I just felt like there's more, you know, like I have more that I'm supposed to be doing this. This is not it. It can't be it. So um, that was pretty much, you know, like my life for about three years, man, just trying to figure out what it is I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And that was that was like that was hell. you know, for real. Right. I can imagine the amount of transition and going from one to another, but not really feeling that satisfaction. I can imagine. Yeah, man, it was crazy. It was crazy. Then. Uh, so moving forward after that, uh, I met this guy and he was in a company called Primerica. I don't know if you heard of them. Sounds like insurance or something. Yeah, yeah, it's an insurance company. They sell life insurance and they do, they teach you how to invest and all the things like that. I think their mantra is uh, buy term life insurance and invest the difference. Um, so I did that and that was like the first launching pad to let me know that I can go into business for myself mm -hmm. and like have my own and actually, you know, become successful and become independently wealthy. Mm -hmm. um, because the mentality that they had, the the guy, his name was Dan Roos. He was our uh, our area manager. And his his energy, his outlook on life, man, his drive, his passion, it was it was captivating and and and, and infectious. So I mean, I was like, yo, I want to do that. Like I want to have that. Not necessarily what he was doing, but the way he would talk to people and inspire them to do great things i was like yo that's what i want to do and um and that's that's just kind of where i went after after that man i kind of went to 
Primerica and then I left Primerica and I realized that I went, I was like, okay, let me try the fitness and health coach thing because I want to help people lose weight. And then- Were, um, were you still overweight <laughs> at the time? No, I um, I feel like I'm kind of everywhere right now, man. But that's honestly, if I'm being real, that's where my life was. My life was everywhere. But um, I uh, I just lost, recently lost about 40, about 40, 45 pounds. And that's what made me feel like I wanted to do the health coach mm-hmm. and, and um, fitness coach thing because, and the reason why I lost that weight and the reason why I was going to the gym so hard and trying to get better and get, you know, getting into a better place is because I was just separated from my wife. Okay. And I, I allowed that to drive me and fuel me to do that. Um, so you used that external motivation, that, that I guess down period in your life to kind of fuel you to, exactly. to get to a, a goal that you set for yourself, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, um, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, if I'm gonna be honest, man, when we first separated, the reason why I did it, I was like, I'm gonna show her, you know what I mean? I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Hashtag like, petty. That's that female upbringing, man. That's what that is. Yeah, I was like, you go. You say you just go bounce like that. Okay, cool. You don't want to be with me. All right, so I'm gonna go ahead and get this put in this work. Mm-hmm. You go look, and then you go look at me, and I'm be like, yo, I'm, I'm out here, and you sitting there looking like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I left him. That was like the driving force behind mm-hmm. it. But you got to be careful. While the action and the, the decision to lose weight was a good decision, mm-hmm. the motive behind it, the motive behind it wasn't good. So sometimes you can have the right vehicle, but if you're not putting the right gas in the car, then you're not gonna get far, man. So that's I realized that real quick. Awesome, man. So you then got through the separation. You you know you're working out. You're losing weight. You you you're doing the health and life coach now. No, no, no. I once again realized that that wasn't it. Okay. You know what I mean? Just trying stuff. Um, so I realized that, that wasn't it, and then I uh, I looked into motivational speaking. I was when I was working out, I would listen to a lot of motivational speakers like uh, Les Brown, Eric Thomas, um, uh, Jim Rohn, uh, Joel Osteen, all these different speakers, and they just kind of helped me to keep pushing while I was working out. And then I realized that well, I came back full circle to motivational speaking again, and then I let it go. Because mm-hmm. I didn't think that I, I didn't think that I could do it. I got I got scared about it. Uh, so I honestly, man, that that kind of happened maybe three or four more times, man. Because I didn't know how I could be successful at it. I didn't know how I can make money at motivational speaking. I didn't know like, oh, who would want to talk to me? I'm just this guy from Milwaukee. Right. Uh, look at look at my life. I went through divorce. I failed on so many things. So at that time period. I want to talk. You, you say you you were, you were scared, and obviously with philology, you know we're about embracing that fear to get you out of your comfort zone and everything. Were you around a certain group of people, or was this just something that you kept to yourself? Like you're wanting to be a motivational speaker. Like, did you share that with certain people, or was this like a goal that you had and you kept it internal because you wanted to realize it for yourself before you shared it with other people? Um, I did share with my girlfriend at the time mm-hmm. and she uh you know she was like you know i think you can do it and i think that i didn't really have that support group though i think that it was just me and her really mm-hmm. so she supported me but when i was slack off she would like she would look at it like, okay so he's not serious and i mean understandably so you know if you if you're not serious about it then how can you expect other people to be serious about it right um so 
I don't think I had anybody really around that I could like kind of talk to at the time to keep me motivated um, because I honestly I didn't really believe it for myself so I didn't necessarily pursue those other people as well um, because I didn't know if I could do it mm-hmm. if, so, I mean, if, that, if that answers your question right okay so what was it or when did you get to the point and you realize all right yeah this is something that I can do this is what I want to do when did I get to that point? I got to that point, man. I hit a really, really, really low period in my life. Uh, I mean, low. <laughs> uh, everything seems to be taking. Everything seems to just be falling apart, man. It seemed like everything I touched just got taken away from me. Um, so I realized that the only thing that stayed was my desire to speak. My desire to motivate other people that like even in my down moment i was trying to tell other people that they can be great you know what i mean and i, and I would relate that to myself like yo you can still do this mm-hmm. so uh, that was like early last year man like i just honestly like probably like the first half of last year it was just like when i hit that low period in my life and i just said that i, th- I remember a thursday night and um i looked up at the ceiling and i was like <laughs> It just once again being transparent my uh i was afraid i was on the brink of my car being repossessed mm-hmm. and i i looked up at the ceiling and I, I don't know if i was talking to god i don't know if i was talking to life i don't know who i was talking to but i remember saying you're gonna have to kill me like because i'm going after this this is what's going to happen i'm going to be a successful motivational speaker i'm going to obtain whatever it is i want to obtain i'm going to live the life i want to live i'm going to have what i want to have so Either I'm gonna get that, or I'm gonna die. <laughs> like that was, that. and when I got to that point, man, everything started changing. I can't even, I really can't explain it. Like my mentality changed, and then opportunities start coming, and I'm on the road to that, to that, to that destiny right now, man. So it's just, it's been phenomenal ever since that Thursday night, or actually early Thursday morning. Oh, that's amazing, man. Um, I really like that attitude um, where you say you're gonna have to kill me to keep me from reaching this goal man i think if we you know it became that important to you so you know for our listeners when you're thinking about doing whatever whatever it is you want to do you got a goal or you you have a business or whatever it is you want to change your life you want to change your marriage or your relationship with your kids when it becomes that important where you're going to have to die before somebody stops you from reaching it that yeah. is when you're going to start seeing that change in your life. So, and Jay is a testimony to it. So talk to me a little bit about how things started going upward. I know you traveled a little bit, you know, you spent some time on a ship. Um, yeah. Let's talk about yeah, that. For I, a uh, bit. So I was still, I was unemployed at the time and I started, so I'm just applying to different jobs, man. And then this uh, company, this cruise ship company, uh, at first I was like, nah, I'm not about to try. <laughs> I was like, no, nah, I'm not trying to do that. But I, I went ahead and applied. I was like, what's the worst that could happen? And then I got a call back, did an interview. Uh, they, the company flew me out to St. Louis. You know, I did training there. And then I flew up to Maine and I toured the East Coast, man. That's something I've been wanting to do for a while, travel. Just, you know, just get out there and see the world. Um, so once again, I think it all came back from that Thursday morning when I said, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this. And um, that happened, that, that door, the opportunity presented itself to travel and get paid while I was doing it. I was a uh, deckhand on the cruise ship. So I steered the ship. I did security and I did uh, 
what else I do? Maintenance on the ship. Mm -hmm. So that was cool. That was a great experience. So we toured the entire East Coast, man, up from Maine all the way down to Florida. Okay. And it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal, man. And then uh, I met a friend on the ship and she told me about an orphanage out in Haiti that she, uh, her, her grandma goes to. And uh, so she, I was like, yeah, I definitely want to go, you know, help you partake in that as well. And she said, yeah, I'm going in December. I was like, well, I guess I'm going in December. So, <laughs> so this past December, uh, from the, I think the 6th to the 13th, I went over, I flew over to Haiti, first time out the country. And um, it was it was phenomenal. I volunteered at the orphanage and stayed at the orphanage, volunteered at the orphanage. And it was, it was a phenomenal experience, man. They taught me so much over there. Yeah. So what was, uh, what did you, what did you do uh, as far as volunteering and how were the kids? Oh, the kids, yo, the kids, the kids were so grateful for any and everything you did. I remember, uh, we were cleaning up around the orphanage and it was just trash everywhere. Cause they don't, they don't have like a, like a sanitation department. You know, they just kind of throw the trash on the ground and they put it in piles and they burn it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what, what we were doing, we was picking up trash around the orphanage and it was just me and my friend, her name's Kristen. Uh, me and my friend Kristen picking up trash and the next thing you know, it's like seven or eight different people out here, you know, the kids the, or the orphans, they just out here taking up the trash with us. And like, I feel like, you know, kids in America, man, no shade towards America, but kids in America, you, if we go to a park right now and start picking up trash, you ain't going to see no seven, eight volunteer kids just come out there and just help pick up trash with us. Yeah, that's those first world problems. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was amazing, man. And then, um, you know, just we we fed them uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and when when we we try to figure out who didn't get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, the kids who got one, they would push the kids that didn't get one to the front of the line, letting them know, like letting us know that hey, they didn't get a sandwich, they didn't get a sandwich. So it was the love that they have for one another and for us. You know, what I mean, it was it was phenomenal, man. It 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 just let me know that you don't really need a lot you know to be happy and to be you know content with life you don't really need all the glamour and the fame you just need the love of yourself and the love of other people around you and you you got it all right there right right and how beautiful is haiti because i have a, a haitian line brother a lot of haitian friends from being in miami and they always talk to me about how beautiful this country is and just the difference between the way it's portrayed in the media versus what it actually is there Oh yeah, man, it's 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 gorgeous. Like the, it's so many mountains. I think uh, I was in Grand Guav, and uh, that means like big coast, and then it's Petit Guav means like small coast. But mm -hmm. it's so it's so many mountains. It's it the water there is so clear. Like I mean, I think I was in like uh, I was we went to the went to the ocean to go swimming in the ocean, and I was about waist deep, maybe maybe my belly button, and I could see my feet. You know what I mean? But you go in America. Nah. You're not gonna see, you know, you might see, you know, your waistline from your belly button, <laughs> but you, <laughs> you're not about to see, you know, I mean, your kneecaps and that, and that, man. So that was, that was amazing. And, um, and then it was this place called, uh, uh, Basin Blue, and it's a, it's a waterfall. So we were jumping off the waterfall into the, like, I think the water was 75 feet deep, but the water was so blue. I mean, I ain't gonna lie. I was terrified. It was mm -hmm. 75 feet water and I'm jumping off a waterfall. I'm like, I don't know. But you know, you in a new place, you gotta try something new, man. And it it, it definitely pushed me to, to do that. 75 so feet deep though? Yeah, man. I I was like, I remember when I first <laughs> when I first jumped in, I did a couple of swim moves to try to come to the top. 
and I realized that I wasn't at the top yet. So, <laughs> I did the same thing in Jamaica. So in Jamaica, they got I think it's called Dun River Falls, and they have a uh, like a thirty or forty foot cliff that you jump off of into the water. First of all, jumping off a thirty feet foot cliff into the water hurts like heck if you don't hit the water right. <laughs> That's just first yeah. off. But when you in the water, you go, you probably go like 10 feet down and don't really realize it. So like you said, you swimming to the top, trying to get to the top and you notice like, dang, I'm not there yet. Am I going to make it back to the top? So you get scared or whatnot, but you know, you finally make it. But yeah, that's crazy. 75 yeah. feet deep, man. I can't imagine <laughs> yeah, man, the, the creatures that are crawling around down there at the bottom of the ocean like that, man. Yeah. I don't know what was down there. They ain't mess with me. I ain't mess with them, man. That's all I know. I was like, <laughs> uh, if, if at any moment I'm upsetting y'all, let me know. I'm getting out. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, man. So let's fast forward, fast forward to flagology a little bit, man. Um, How'd you get involved with the team? Oh, man, that's all you. Yes, <laughs> yes it is. All me. Thank you. Uh, for that man. But no, man, what really, you know, what brought you to the team? You know, how'd you, uh, how did that go about? Uh, um, I mean, honestly, man, I, um, I believe in the law of attraction, you know, so I believe, I know that if you're going to make it in life, you're going to need people around you that's like-minded, that's also trying to get to either the same place you're trying to get to or people that's also trying to get to a place of their own, but both of you guys are trying to grow. Um, so I, you know, I spoke it into my life that, hey, the right people are going to come to me, the right people are going to come to me. And then I didn't realize that the right person was already there. So my man, you know, Brett, <laughs> he told me about the, uh, he told me what he was doing and with his, uh, with his, I think his ex-boss at the time or ex-boss now, uh, you know, his ex-boss Carol, you know, the motivational speaking and life coaching company told me what flagology meant, what it stood for. And I was like, man, that's exactly what I wanted my message or that I feel like, you know, what I want to tell people to do. So it was just kind of like, surreal for that to actually come into my life after you know spent you know weeks talking about the right people coming into my life man so flagology that's how i got into it and um ever since then it's just been it's been a great experience and carol's been an amazing mentor so far and i'm just looking forward to the ride and it's gonna i just feel like it's gonna be amazing yeah man i'm really excited what you're gonna bring to the table and you're absolutely right man carol is a, an amazing mentor i call him coach k all the time man just from the life lessons he's given me and i definitely thought putting both of y'all together it was going to be magical um with your energy and his wisdom you know i definitely see big things happening on that front so yeah definitely glad you decided to go ahead and take that opportunity to be a part of the team man and we just going up from there uh before yeah, we man. before we close out since you know you're an aspiring motivational speaker you know, I got to give you the floor, give you the platform to go ahead and get, get <laughs> people a message, man. Oh, okay. No, no doubt. Um, my, uh, my saying is go be great, man, because you have greatness within you. There's no, everything about you is great. Like, I just want you to know that you survived out of over 4 million sperm cells to be here. That's not by happenstance. Like four, think about that for a second. Be 4 million sperm cells and you are here. You know how many people was trying to beat you? <laughs> Look at those odds. Look at those odds, man. One in 4 million. So you were literally born a champion. You were born victorious, man. So don't stop being a champion now. And now that you're here, now that you already won, don't stop now. Keep grinding, keep going, man, and live out the purpose because you're here for a reason. It's like it could have been somebody else. 
You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Times you, your pops and your moms might have did stuff, and you didn't make it that time, but you made it now, man. So you gotta, <laughs> you gotta keep going, man. You gotta keep driving, keep pushing, because you have a purpose within you, and chase the dream, and everything else will come with, man. Chase the dream, and everything that you need will be provided for you, man. Awesome message, man. Awesome message. Thank you for spending some time with us here on the 13th floor. This is Jay's first time on the show, but it definitely won't be his last. We appreciate the message and we just look forward to great things going forward, man. So uh, with that being said, you know, like that, we gone. Uh, thank you all for listening here on the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. Man, we out of here. Go be great, y'all. Now is your time to flinch.
Now is your time to flinch.